someone said we like your brand very much but you need to move a needle if one day you can tell us that you make half a billion then talk to us that wow have you ever been told you should get a more sensible career on this show we speak with creators and artists in asia who ignored that advice to find success in their creative field We'll learn how they paved their own path, dealt with roadblocks and challenges, and gained hard-earned lessons on their way to building a unique and singular foolish career. I'm your host, Timmy Sitanko. Nataya and Sanity were lifelong lawyers who realized there was one thing they couldn't get more of. Time. So in midlife, they decided to slow down and travel more. On a trip to Chiang Mai in northern Thailand, they bought some land that they thought would be a good place to build a retirement farmhouse, eventually. But under Thai law, unused land is taxed heavily, so a neighbor farmer suggested they plant cacao. This is how the couple, who loved dining out and learning the origins of food and drink, discovered that Thailand could grow single-origin cacao. This sparked the idea that became Kad Kokwa, a bean-to-bar chocolate brand in Bangkok but only three years in, has a line of chocolate products, a cafe, a lab, an outpost in Tokyo, and partnerships with cacao farmers all over the country. They're just getting started. Kad means market in the northern Thai dialect, and Nutaya and Paniti want Kad Koko to be the meeting point where chocolate lovers can discover and enjoy single-origin chocolate as a gateway to Thai craft. Can you describe your typical week as lawyers? <laughs> it's, it's always been our life over... 20 years of practicing law a lot of long hours and stress but those hours are not for us it's for the clients the goal was to make billable hours we realized that these hours we only spend them and we don't get anything back for ourselves a friend of mine used to say you're lawyers and and you're neither here nor there Lawyers have a good life. We got paid well. We reward ourselves with materials, cars, watches, and so on. Finally, we, we felt that these are not the thing for us. So we decided to take it slower. We started traveling and try to reward or enrich ourselves with a more experience than object. So when you were exploring, what did you do that helped you decide this is what you were going to do next? Our original plan was to find a place to retire from legal practice and to do something back to basic. For Niki, just bought a big bike, a BMW, and travel in the north. And later on, he just had me at his back and we travel again. This time, we, we went to, to Chiang Mai and we found a very beautiful piece of land. And we finally bought that land. Our idea just build a, a farmhouse and maybe grow mango, flower, something very easy for us. But, you know, according to the Thai law, if we don't do anything useful on that piece of land or we don't live there, we, we have to grow something. We will so, be taxed. Yeah, yeah. We'll yeah. Taxed. Oh, right. interesting. Yeah, yeah, we will be taxed, very high tax. You need to make use of the land. So that's why we just asked around and we met a farmer in the neighborhood and he said, why don't you grow cacao? We can grow cacao in Thailand. That's very interesting. We started to do some research and to try to make chocolate. And we bought some beans around Thailand 
and we just found accidentally that the beans from different origin give different flavor and taste. We, That's we, it. Yeah, <laughs> the we idea that, you know, ran wild. <laughs> and yeah. She followed a lot of uh, YouTube, how to make chocolate Yes. those days. Yes. So chocolate wasn't very nice in terms of the texture, but at least we get the flavors to taste and wow. And that sparked the idea of, wow, why don't we make different SKUs or different origins? How many provinces did you visit? Four, so far, yeah. we have four origins. We have Chiang Mai, definitely the first place that we, we start. And we have Jantaburi in the east, Bajuap and Chumpon in the south. We only have four. Even we tried more, but these four are the ones that we are more confident. We cannot do too many origins in order to ensure the quality and the, the relationship that we have with these collectives or the farmers are, are close and basically the working relationship. And you also went to Hawaii at one point. Yes, because... We're not quite confident about making our chocolate, so we, we try to, to find a teacher to teach us how, how to make uh, chocolate from bean to bar. And we found Dr. Nedbetter of uh, Madre Chocolate in, in Hawaii. So we wrote an email to him, and it was so silent. <laughs> Until four <laughs> months later, he just replied us back, and he said, Okay, you can come to learn how to make chocolate with me. So we spent half a month in Hawaii, learn how to make chocolate from bean to bar. And luckily, he invited us to a cacao farm in Oahu Island. That's so amazing because Hawaii is the highest latitude that cacao can be grown. He taught us pruning, picking the cacao pot, how to do the, the fermenting, and finally making chocolate. Even how to wrap the chocolate bars. So he told us on a chocolate bar, when you have a sleeve or a sticker, where to place them and what kind of information you, you need to write on your chocolate um, packaging. Oh, wow. Yeah, we can say that we learn from a, a guru. <laughs> yes, because our knowledge uh, about it was zero. <laughs> <laughs> and how did you feel as you were finishing up in Hawaii? Were you convinced by that point as you were flying yeah, we, back we, to Thailand? We had a sparkling no. eyes. We had sparkling eyes that, okay, yeah. the business model seems interesting. Not financially, but wow, this is an interesting idea to have your own brand of uh, chocolate. We went on to... To San Francisco yeah. to take a, a, a course, a bean grading course with Dr. Kara Martin of FCCI. It's like a fine cacao and chocolate institute, which is an extension of Harvard University. She taught how to choose cacao beans when you buy or, or receive from the farm. So at least when we come back, we we are not fooled to just buy anything. At that time, you would just pay cash for a bag of beans. It was that simple. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yes. We try to buy the beans from from the farmers that they confident about the quality. Even nowadays, we still have to buy them upfront. None of the farmers or collective will be willing to give you any credit term. Because um, they're farmers, right? They expect to get money and, and confidence that we will continue supporting them. And our job is to set up a 
like a card market where once we spend on the beans, we need to make sure that we make good quality chocolate that customers like and sell as soon as you you can because the next batch of cacao will come again very soon from the farm we cannot stop buying from them otherwise you know you lose the chain of ecosystem so it's been three years that we non-stop mm. buying from them even in COVID. So right now, the hardest part of exercise is to manage the cash flow because mm-hmm. yeah. business has been slower, clearly, because of COVID. But, But the, the, pain, yeah. the, the keep, cacao, keep, keep, the cacao, cacao keeps trees. growing. Exactly. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> they're, not, they're not affected by COVID. <laughs> It's even thriving more. <laughs> When you were trying to make tempered chocolate for the very first time, what was it like for you confidence-wise? How long before you were able to show your product to someone? <laughs> no, I was not confident at all. Because tempering requires a lot of time of practice, and I didn't have that much time because made me frustrated to make it perfect. It takes quite a long time for me. How much time did it take you? Just in the number of months? Maybe six months. That's not bad. Uh, <laughs> 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 I keep on practice and practice. Yeah, very first chef customer that I I I care to mention here, Chef Laurent, the Swiss chef at the legendary Sukhothai Hotel. He's the first chef who we showed our chocolate and said, "Chef, you want to try this Thai chocolate that we made?" He said, "Thai chocolate." He's Swiss. <laughs> Can you imagine? And in his trolley, he has sixty <laughs> kinds of chocolate from everywhere in the world. He said, yeah, if it's good, then let me try. But at the end of the day, when we thought about business, we decided that it's probably not the way to sustain if you do it by yourself. I think you should try to work with someone who is better than you. Mm. There are many chefs out there. So that's how we, we started as a startup rather than a founder does everything. We don't believe in that concept. We are probably better at, at something else like selling or designing, even chatting with you here in the podcast while our chefs down there <laughs> are making the chocolate. My wife, she designed and created the brand. She's better at, in, in that and use the chocolate as a tool. So you have all the information and you understand the product and you, you had the farm and you realized you had to plant on it and then you also realized as you studied the business that it was necessary to build a factory and then open right. a cafe right. can you talk about how that business yeah. plan came together let us go back to to what my wife has been doing building the brand and perfecting her chocolate and the production process with a few people in her team so that's her part my my job is not much it's, it's about designing our life and our lifestyle and most importantly managing our time we don't want to put all the eggs in one basket when we decided to do this we still have to separate our roles Nataya was focusing on, you know, her chocolate making skill, thinking about the brand concept, and I support her. I still have to make sure that I can cover the downside, so I still work on some legal advisory cases to keep paying the bills. Mm-hmm. And at Katkoku, we start building the team. We have a team of now 16 people. 
So I want to make sure that Catcoco, you know, is still alive. We bootstrap and we self-fund it ourselves. Catcoco has been self-generating the revenue, but we are still bootstrapping because finding a right funder is it's very difficult as well. Even though you already have a proven business, when you're looking for any investor, there are many kinds of investors: strategic, financial, and financial. They, they need to get a return, and the business like ours is more artisanal. It's more like brand um, equity rather than mm-hmm. cash flow. So you mm-hmm. will keep arguing with them about the valuation forever. Mm-hmm. They they will look mm-hmm. at cash flow and discount cash flow future. We, we meet a lot of investors all the time. They like to own this beautiful brand, mm. but at the end, we still haven't struck a, a good chemistry with anyone just yet. So big a listed company said, "We like your brand very much, but you need to move a needle. If one day you can tell us that you make half a billion, then talk to us." I said, "Wow, wow! Are you finding that this is because that's the situation in Thailand in terms of who's available to fund? Because I, I do feel that people in Southeast Asia in general are in a similar." situation unless you're yeah. building some amazing tech business it's very mm. hard right. to find funding exactly yeah. if we had built a tech company i think i would have found anyone already we have almost closed a deal with several investors but right now it's the happiest time we keep our face down and keep grinding mm. i think building the brand value is still important for us and and we still believe that one day we are going to meet our soulmate <laughs> if, uh, if if someone has patient capital that's the word that you need to to talk to your investor we cannot suddenly you put the money and now we are running like a rat to try to make an irr for you from chocolate You know, we are not confectionery. We are not even sold in 7-Eleven. That's not the investment that you are looking for. If you're looking for impact, return on social, then you can come talk to us. <laughs> <laughs> That's the other aspect of your business, right? You have a social enterprise side to it as well. That's a key part of our um, brand building and brand mission. Because we don't want to compete with anyone in terms of oh who who makes the best chocolate or are we cheaper than that brand or are we more expensive than that brand? Why are you not as sweet? Let's focus on what we make. Let's look at what we do, the impact yeah. we make. How we help the community as a whole. Yeah, yeah not not important. Exactly, not only the cacao growers. During COVID, of course, sales are less. People eat less. We think outside the box. How can we help other chefs? How we can help other community? What's an example of that project? Like a that? good one right now that we are helping is a group of young Thai chef who has won silver in Asia Pacific of Bokus Door. If you have heard of Bokus Door, yes, yeah. it's like a, a Formula One for a cooking competition. <laughs> Five and a half hours of cooking, just like Master Chef TV show. Thai team won the Bokus Door Silver Asia Pacific round, so they are now eligible to go to Lyon. So right now we are helping them, of course, supplying our chocolate as the main ingredient for them. That's a sure thing. We help funding them, looking for a sponsor who has deeper pocket than us, and also bringing them to meet chefs to promote Thai product, yeah. Thai ingredients, Thai team. Right now, we are pitching to a conglomerate, and also Tourism Authority of Thailand has committed to help us. Oh, by the way, Kargoko is also an official partner of Tourism Authority of 
Thailand, amazing Thailand chocolate. <laughs> <laughs> that's cool. Yeah. So, so that's how we think outside the box. We focus on making chocolate, but not focus on selling only chocolate. Eat my chocolate only. But look at the brand that we can do for Thailand, representing Thailand from any angle that we are involved with. I wanted to know what skills from your legal background you were able to apply to this new venture. You were saying that not much except for the love for food and craft, but listening to <laughs> both of you, it's very clear that you brought a lot of knowledge about business and how business works, how financing works, how legal works. And in terms of applying to the business, I like to say that it's how we understand our downside. We know our weak point that we are not a uh, pastry chef. So we need to know how to cover the downside when we lack the domain experience. So we hire, we, we work with these pastry chefs. So you know that we got Coco as one of the best pastry chefs and chocolatiers working with us. We had an executive pastry chef from Mandarin Oriental. Right now, our chef is from the Ritz-Carlton. How did you convince them to come join you? They, they, they came to us. Yeah, they, they came, came to, to us. us. They convinced us. <laughs> they convinced <laughs> not, us. Not yeah. we convinced them. <laughs> <laughs> That's a sign you're doing something right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, so again, it's the, the name of the brand, right? God. Now mm. they know that we we're using the best cacao that we can source, and we don't do anything else. We just use two ingredients to make the chocolate, and we let the the nature or the chocolate speaks for itself. It's not easy because these chefs they're like artists i would say one graduated from switzerland mm -hmm. and another one from new york. new york they're very good at what they do we yes. know that we cannot make our chocolate as good as them but we have the brand that they are proud of and you just need to know how to lead them talk about that a bit because how is it different leading and working with artists and creative people versus your previous experience working with lawyers and business people yeah keyword these artists and chocolate here who work with us they are unique they are not a mm. uh, commodity mm. I, I don't want to say that lawyers in the past that i worked with they are commodities but they are easier to find let's put it that way <laughs> was it pretty easy oh, learning how to deal with them no, not not at all. We I think we have gone through quite a few chefs. When we started, our brand was nothing. So they came, they want to just try for a while. And if it doesn't meet their sort of passion or what they'd like to do, they move on. But the current team have been with us for two years yeah. and it's a startup. And what we do is we mm -hmm. also give them a stock option. Basically, oh, wow. random chairs. Yeah. We apply the skills of any startup that when mm. you want to attract or keep good people aligned or incentivized to stay with you. They need to prove themselves and we need to prove ourselves that we, we put the money where our mouth is. And they instead of they have to go out and open another brand. Just feel that Katkoko is their brand. And related to that, the packaging on everything you do and the way your cafe looks, it, it's so very much tied to the brand. How did you think about that? At the beginning, we, we tried to save the cost to build a cafe. Before that, we bought a, a house and a rice barn from the farmer in Chiang Mai and planned to build our own house in the farm. 
We never got to build it. No, and we we just just planned to open the cafe, and we thought that probably we didn't have time to stay in Chiang Mai, so we decided to. We moved the rice barns yeah, and, and, the, and the house all the to wood. Bangkok yeah. to to build our cafe. You moved an entire farm yeah. and barn to Bangkok? Not not the farm, the rice barn. Oh, the rice yes. barn. So the structures. The structure, the yes. woods, yes. I disassembled there mm-hmm. and then brought them here to Bangkok and then built as built a cafe. Again. So, you know, we just kill two birds in, in one stone because we can save cost and the look is so like a friend house. It's not that uptight, it's like, um, yeah, casual. So about our packaging, we we try to do something to reflect our craft, our tightness. We are launching very soon. This new series for 2021, the packaging will be handcrafted from each origin, from each um, province, like Chiang Mai, Chantaburi, Last time what it was the textile weaving pattern. Yes. This time will be different. We are launching in Japan because we and Tourism Authority of Thailand will be having a Thai tourism event in Tokyo, Osaka and Fukuoka in June. You already have a partner in Japan, right? You're already working with, with a yeah. chef there. We have our partner slash distributor who runs Karkoko Japan. Her name is Yumi. And she has been our customer and a, a big fan. She came to, to Thailand a few years ago. And the whole week, she was at our cafe and the lab. And finally, we got to talk and said, why are you here? Because she was very quiet and sitting by herself, enjoying her chocolate. And she said, do you want to open something like this in Japan? Yeah, it's an interesting idea. But we, we didn't do anything much then. And I think half a year later, we met her again in Japan. And so we walked around Tokyo looking for a location, an idea. And that was how the relationship formed. And we started to work with her. She understands our brand very well, can speak on our behalf, and loves our product and Thai craft. So she has been selling and doing a lot of events and fairs in Japan to promote it. Quite a few chefs use our product to make pastry and chocolate in in Japan. One of the chefs is Chef Koji. He's a two-star Michelin from a restaurant called uh, Edition Koji in Roppongi. He decided to use our chocolate in his world collection suite. Yum. Yeah, he likes uh, Prachua Kirikan chocolate a lot. You've said you would rather have one customer coming 10 times than 10 customers coming just one time. I believe in the quality of the product. If you gain the, the real fan, he or she will be our customer forever. Most of our customers are repeated customers who really enjoy our chocolate. When we started, we didn't know about how to distinguish customers. We have well, a lot of cafe hoppers coming. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. this, but these are people who create content in their social media. They will come and take photos and flog your cafe. And we thought that, wow, our cafe become famous. Mm-hmm. No, they're just one time and three months after, it's different. Don't get complacent when you open something and the first three months you are so busy that people line up in front of your cafe 
and you think that that's gonna be your last long no yeah forever model no one day month four or month six you will feel that hey where are they <laughs> they've gone to some other new they're cafe already, already. somewhere <laughs> yeah. your the post of your picture is down in that Instagram <laughs> deep down <laughs> so then on month four and five did you start to see a slowdown in foot traffic it's yeah. different it, it's know. clearly different yeah. you gotta look at what their real need is when you when you meet a customer nowadays there are people who craft eater and health conscious fitness teacher coaches these are our real fans they will come every week to fill up their stock of chocolate and then this is this is the key let them speak themselves if they like our chocolate they will refer their friends themselves this way I, i think it takes time but it's last longer been to bar chocolate was so new in thailand in in, in, the, in world. the world yeah yes three years ago people want to try what been to bar chocolate tastes like and they just felt like mm, this is not the chocolate that they had in the past like the chocolate they bought from the supermarket after a while you yeah. you sift through what kind of customers will really stick on as your true customer they like you they're your followers and it's been a while even nowadays we used to have different opinions some say oh man your chocolate is too fruity they mm. expect something more sweet oh okay as trend goes people tend to eat less and less sweet So maybe it's quite the right time that they, they start to appreciate and they feel like, oh, I, I don't need any sweet chocolate. Yes. But the fruitiness is still and, something distinct. And we we also educate our customers when they they step into our cafe. We offer them our chocolate and we try to explain why they get this kind of test because it's quite new. And that's a never-ending job, I imagine. Never-ending. Exactly. You can you can do more by by maybe hosting a workshop that instead of one-on-one, you would then be able to do eight to ten. But that's it. Not a very huge scale. So it will take time for the scale to tip. Do you feel it's already tipped or not yet for you? Wow. <laughs> that's we are oh, we we wow. so, okay let 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 me yeah. I I think for the chef I think they they already, they, they already yeah. yeah they already tip and they understand the test and everything very well but for the general customer take some time. It takes some time. Yeah. Easy example is you look at the single origin mm. coffee. A lot of people like it. And it's getting bigger and bigger, so for sure it's tipping. But a lot of people still go to Starbucks. They still go to big coffee chain. I think it will be like coffee. Mm-hmm. So that's a good analogy because even Starbucks, they have a Starbucks reserve now. That's right. Yes. So they're matching the prices of the neighborhood single origin coffee shop. The big guys will come down. They got a lot of funding, and they say, "Oh, this is a good idea. We can do it." But even yesterday, we went to Nespresso to buy some for home. They got new Calapacos. They got new Ethiopia. You can see like chocolate that people associate uh, their product with the origin or the sources. Chocolate, you can tell, right? The pricing will be markedly different as soon as you. See that they are from Thailand, they are from Philippines, they are from Vietnam, or even smaller, like a single estate or single farm or single province. 
But if you look for commercial chocolate bar, mm-hmm. you only see the percentage. True. Yeah, yeah, they only blend the cacao. They cannot make it commercially viable if they have to really single out a small estate to make a huge amount of Hershey or Lind chocolate, right? So it's 90%, 70%. That's the understanding of the people who eat chocolate for a long time. You only go by percentage. The darker, the better. Ooh, okay, <laughs> I'm learning a lot here. Because I eat a lot of dark chocolate, but it's not always easy to get chocolate like yours. Because, you know, mm. like in Singapore, chocolates like yours are only available in a few shops. Mm. Yeah. Right. So, and not in the supermarket. Yeah. Mm. Now try to look for something with a single origin. You will enjoy like coffee and wine that Oh, grow, cacao grown here so much different from cacao grown elsewhere, even though the percentage is the same. That's a fun part. There's Bean to Bar now in Thailand, and then the Philippines have a few brands. Mm. And of course, there's Maru in Vietnam. Vietnam. And I'm sure you know all these other makers around the region. Do you compare notes with them? Yes, <laughs> we are a secret group uh, <laughs> in WhatsApp. We talk, even this morning, we talked a lot. We, we are good friends with the Indonesian cacao, Filipinos, Vietnam, Malaysia. These are people who have the same mentality as us. And it's good in a way that when we have a problem with the beans or machinery and we ask each other how to fix it, while on the other hand, we, we don't compare a lot of notes with some Thai chocolate makers because everyone is still trying to vie for the pole position. So a lot of secrecy. <laughs> and now that your business is going concern, where do you want to go from here? It's been difficult and uncertain because of COVID, but what are you looking at for the next few years? Wow, that's mm. a very hard question. <laughs> yeah, we would probably spend a few more years to stabilize the brand, make the brand even Mm. more focused and more understandable. I used to think that maybe it's time for us to scale a lot larger and look for new funders, but you still need to really be selective and look for the the fit funder and fit founders. Having a co-founder is good, but you have to be very selective because this is like getting married, you know? So a Mm. lot of time startups fail because of the relationship of the founders who does what and who is the boss maybe when your business is already proven you might go ahead and raise some funding and this vc or investors may come and help you in the part that you lack and so as i ask everyone interview about passion versus talent and what has mattered more in Mm. your creative endeavors which one have you found to be more important for me neither of them for me passion is the most important this is new to us and we need to be patient in every stage of what we are doing can you talk about an example of something that tested your patience after we opened the the, the, the cafe the first few months we have only the cafe hoppers and they didn't understand the bean to bar chocolate that that well so they just complain in the good way and in the bad way and we we was a little bit how to say this disappointed and feel really bad feel down 
about about the test of the bean to bar. To be honest, because mm. because we thought that we could please them more than this. Mm. But later on, after I and Paniti discussed, I think we should speak with what we are doing now. We should educate them, not shame the test of our chocolate because. If it it is what it is, mm. we should not mm. change anything bit of them. So we stick with our philosophy that we are going to make a bean to bar chocolate, and we we choose to to educate uh, our customer more. Hmm. So this yeah. is the passion that I I would would, I think, would say. I think you also mean having a lot of grit in doing what what you do, and also being patient with the customers who complain. <laughs> <laughs> I'm pretty sure I couldn't do that. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> we are. 50, right? So a lot of time we had to really please some young customers at the cafe. That was a hard part for us also, <laughs> but now we get used to it. <laughs> Passion versus talent. I think you need a good blend. This one you cannot have a single origin. <laughs> you have to blend them well. <laughs> Thanks for listening to Foolish Careers. If you enjoyed this episode, there's more where that came from. Just subscribe to the Foolish Careers newsletter, or subscribe on your favorite podcast app. We'll send updates when a new interview comes out, featuring a storyteller, artist, or creative entrepreneur in Asia who ignored the advice to get a more sensible career. So join us at foolishcareers.asia. We look forward to hearing from you.